Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 191 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, though, by the elusive, the infamous, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Let's start with a review part, as always. Um, I do just want to say, though, I, I felt like I did a real good Demetrius Andrade um, impression at the the back end of last week's show. Only, like, one or two people commented on it, though. I mean, I think I'm just going to go on strike. No more impressions on this show, anyway. Um, I, I'll see. If it gets appreciated a little bit more, then perhaps I'll bring out a couple of others. But anyway, like I said, a review part. Let's start at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. Um... One fight to mention over here, it was for the vacant NABA super lightweight title, the return to the ring of Zab Judah, I think he was 41 years of age, 44 wins, 9 losses, he took on Cleta Seldin, 23-1, and one. um... You know, Seldin, obviously, a banger, the Hebrew hammer. His one loss came to Eves Ulysse Jr. He got completely outboxed. He's not a fantastic boxer, Seldin. And like I said last week, Zab Judah would have toyed with this guy in his prime. But the fact that he was pretty old, well over the hill, um, you know, fighting a danger man like Seldin, it was going to make it interesting. Unfortunately, um, you know, Seldin was able to win the fight by TKO in the 11th round. From what I've heard, it was a bit of a beatdown. And after the fight, Zab Judah ended up uh, being placed, I believe, into a coma. Um, but he was out of the coma pretty quickly. I think he was out of the coma by Sunday, like late Sunday, perhaps early Monday. So it's not a pretty sight. We don't like to see that, of course. It was incredibly scary for the time that he was in the coma. But apparently, he's recovered really well. But obviously, that needs to be the end of his boxing career there. It's a bit of a silly decision to take on, you know, a big puncher like that when you're when you're that, you know, that over the hill. Um Zab Judah, I think, you know, you'd have to look at it. He's probably fortunate that he was only... I mean, he's not fortunate to have been in a coma to begin with, but after being in a coma to, to, to wake up, you know, after about 24 hours is pretty remarkable, actually. So, um, you know, it's it's just a, a harsh warning there, a bit of a wake-up call that he needs to probably hang up the gloves now. Well, certainly hang up the gloves now. So uh, all the best to Zab Judah. I like Zab Judah. I've got nothing against Seldin either, really, but, um, you know... It just goes to show how, how dangerous boxing can be at times. That's it, though, for that one. Moving out now to the Bilbao Arena in Pais Vasco, Spain. Um, and Donny Gargo, former opponent of Lee Selby, he picked up the vacant EBU European featherweight title against Jesus Sanchez, who was 10-1 and one going in. It was a split decision over 12 in favour of Gago, or Gargo, I should say. 22 wins, three losses and three draws. But like I say, he's the, he's the actual European featherweight champion. Credit 
to him. And on the undercard, Kerman Leharaga moved to 28-1. It was for the vacant WBC Latino Super Welterweight title. In the other corner, Luis Solis, 25-10 now with four draws. It was a knockout in the fourth round. You know, he didn't choose to take the rematch with Avanesian straight away, Leharaga, and Avanesian actually flew out to Spain and watched it ringside, I think he got in the ring afterwards, they had a bit of a stare down, so perhaps that rematch isn't dead after all, perhaps he does want that uh, that rematch, so yeah, perhaps that will happen, it, it was a brilliant win there for Avanesian, but Leharaga needed that little warm-up fight there, and one fight on the undercard actually that I didn't even notice, Oleg Malinovsky, 23-0, he scored an 8th round unanimous decision over Alex Mora, who's now 10 and 12 with six draws. Malinovsky, I'm not quite sure how he ended up fighting in Bilbao, but anyway, that's a decent fighter there. Uh, moving out to York Hall now, one fight to mention over here. Friend of the show, Jake Ball, he moved to 13 and 2, a points win over six rounds against Daryl Sharp, who's now 5 and 54. Um, like I say, that one was in York Hall there. Good win for friend of the show, Jake Ball. Moving out to the Reno Sparks Convention Center in Reno, Nevada, USA. One fight really to mention. I don't think the undercard was too great, actually, on either of the American cards that took place on the weekend. But starting here, the main event, friend of the show, Oscar Valdez, 25-0. and It was a defense of his WBO World Featherweight title against Jason Sanchez, 14-0. and uh, Sanchez was knocked down in the fifth round. It was a brilliant shot that put him down. And he actually got up and he managed to fight on like a hungry fighter. He managed to fight on like a guy who did not want to lose his he didn't come for the for the paycheck. He didn't come to lay down. He fought with tremendous heart, actually, um, at Sanchez. But um, he was just completely outclassed by Valdez, obviously the much more experienced, more seasoned fighter. And it's another win for Valdez, but he goes the distance. But again, he scores a knockdown. Like I say, the thing about Valdez, you're pretty much guaranteed, if you're watching his fights, there's pretty much a guarantee that either his opponent or himself will at some point touch the canvas. Usually they don't get up, but this time... Like I say, credit to Sanchez. I think he's only about 23 or something like that. So uh, he's gained some real experience there. But he didn't look overly impressive, Valdez. It seems like another kind of tick-over fight. I'm not quite sure why he's had a couple of these now in a row. I said it last week. Um, but like I said, I don't want to go too too hard on the guy. And the final bill to mention... At the MSG in New York, USA, topping the bill, Gennady Golovkin now 39-1 and with one draw, a knockout in the fourth round against Steve Rolls, the undefeated Canadian. Um, he's now 19-1. and Just going through the fight real quick, not too much to say. The first round, I felt like Gennady showed some great head movement. Uh, but in the second round, he started to take quite a bit of an onslaught from Steve Rolls. I'm not quite sure that Golovkin actually lost the second round, even though a lot of people did give the second round to Rolls. But I felt like he he probably didn't even lose the round. But he did take a lot of shots. And credit, like I say, to Steve Rolls. He really did try and bring it to Triple G. He wasn't worried about trading with him. He showed a great chin himself. But the methodical breakdown from Triple G was just a bit too much for him to handle, really. And obviously, the finish was inevitable. We all expected an early knockout win for Gennady Golovkin. We didn't go to the predictions, though, because, uh, you know, we all kind of saw, like I say, an inevitable end into that fight. And it was what it was. It was, an, it was an early knockout in that fourth round, like I say. We didn't really get to see too much changes in Triple G, but I don't think we were ever going to see those um, with an opponent like Rolls. All credit to him, but, you know, we didn't get to see any any 
anything really to say that he's changed after being under Jonathan Banks. He didn't really go enough rounds to 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 to, uh, to, to see anything. But like I say, there was a bit of head movement there. So you you mentioned that Ayaz he might be a little bit more defensive, perhaps. So I uh, just don't think he respected the power of rolls and the finishing shot was a tremendous shot. I think it was a long left hook straight down the pipe. In fact, yeah, straight shot straight down the pipe. I believe it was um, from from Gennady Golovkin, and you know he was down and out rolls. It was a brilliant shot. But yeah, he really did stand and trade with him. He showed um, he showed. You know, no fear at all, Rolls, and I'd like to see him again. I know he's 35 or something himself, but I think um, he could really put up quite a test against some other guys that are coming up in that middleweight division. Perhaps him against Luis Arias, that would be a good fight. I don't know why I've said that, but that that just jumps out on me. Luis Arias, that would be an interesting one if he is to to, to steal box at 160. Uh, But that's about it, really, for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO lightweight world champion. Of course, it is Mr. Ray Beltram. Ray, welcome back on the show, sir. Uh, how you doing? Thank you for the invite, man. Thanks for making time for Hey, listen, thank you. To inform people about my career. Exactly, exactly. Thank you for making time for us also. So, Ray, we last spoke back in May of last year. It was just after your win for the world title against Moses. Obviously, in your first defense, you went straight for Jose Pedraza. Uh, Pedraza's a guy, in my opinion, that is a very good fighter. I mean, he had that one bad night against Javante Davis, and people seem to write him off. I've always rated him very highly. Unfortunately, he was able to emerge victorious on the night, which ended your short reign as a world champion. What seemed to go wrong back in August for you, Ray? I don't like to make excuses, you know. Um, obviously, people seeing that I didn't fight the way I, should, I, used, I used to fight, you know, that night. But, you know... It is what it is. I don't make no excuses, so I just want to keep that for myself, you know. No, that's no problem. I mean, like I say, Pedraza's a good fighter. I mean, we rate him. Yeah, he's a really good fighter, so. Yeah, exactly. I don't think, uh, I don't respect a fighter who makes excuses, you know, about if something happens in a a war, you know, anything. I mean, things happen in a war. Absolutely. It is what it is, you know. Absolutely. But obviously, your comeback fight was against Hiroki Okada. Now, Okada was a relatively unknown but undefeated Japanese fighter who proved to be a very good fighter. It was a very exciting fight while it lasted. Uh, it was a close fight until you did what you do best, Ray, which is to drag your opponent into deep waters. And on this occasion, like many others, he couldn't swim with you. You got the stoppage in the ninth round. A brilliant fight. Talk us through it, please, Ray. Well, you know, uh, it was a really a fight that I really need because I couldn't explain myself with words what happened with uh, uh, Pedraza. But I need a, a hard fight, you know, to prove that who I really am, you know, when I'm good, when I'm hell, when I'm good in, in a fight, finite, you know. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Uh, when we last spoke, Ray, we talked about a lot of your memories training under Freddie Roach at the Wild Card Gym. You had some good stories from the past, but it seems like you're back training there, perhaps. What's the situation now? Well, you know... When I fought uh, Okada, basically it was a very hard training camp because I kind of trained on myself, kind of almost, you know. And uh, I think uh, it, it was a chance to fight uh, uh, Ramirez, you know. And anyways, Freddie was interested in training me, so so uh, we know he's a great trainer, so we uh, we decided to train with him. 
and how does it feel to be back pretty much where you know where you picked up most of your boxing knowledge i guess well it's so good you know i'm always he's been my he's been in walker most of my boxing career yeah and this is a good it's a good environment for me you know to train Nice. It's good to see you you back there, Ray. You know you seem happy back there, which is a fantastic thing. Uh, your next fight, thank you. Your next fight takes place on the twenty eighth for this month for the IBF World Title. You'll be taking on Richard Comey. What do you know about Richard Comey, Ray? Very good fighter. He's a very good fighter, and very tough fighter. You know, I think uh, he, he reminds me of myself. I think one of those fighters that don't really get much credit. Is better than people think he is, you know, than even the the social media or boxing world think he is, you know. So very tough, it's going to be a tough fight, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of these African fighters seem to suffer from being underrated, being overlooked for, for large parts of their career. Yeah. Obviously, Komi is a very good fighter. Like we said, he's got that big knockout ratio. As I mentioned earlier, you managed to rack up a good amount of knockouts yourself. Can this fight possibly go to 12 rounds? I almost can't see it. Well, it can go. I mean, never know. Anything can happen, you know. I just focus on the winning, you know. And, and But, you know, you got power. I believe I have power, too. I mean, a lot of things can happen, you know, on that night. And another thing that we spoke about last time, Ray, was your status trying to obtain a, a green card in, in the U.S. You were under immense pressure outside of the, of the ring. Um, has that situation been sorted now? I'm hoping it has. Well, um, we're in process still. It's not done yet, but we're just waiting for my green card now. So we're in a good, a good position, a way better position than we was like about a year ago. So. Oh, that's, it's just a matter of time, you know. That's fantastic to hear, Ray. Because, like I say, I know that you, you know, you've got a box at a high level to get that, and you've just been taking fight after fight after fight. Even, you know, even now, this part of your career, you're taking on these big challenges one after the other. Um, did you happen to yeah. see Andy Ruiz Jr. become the first heavyweight world champion uh, with with Mexican heritage the other week? If so, what did you make of the fight? A brilliant win. It was a great fight, you know. Uh... I also text him, you know, uh, like days before the fight. You know, I'm a big fan of Joshua. Time, uh, 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 Anthony Joshua fan, you know, I really love him. Love us. He's a great fighter, but he's also a great uh, a gentleman, you know. He's a guy that, that behaves very well, you know. Uh, uh, a storeman, you know. I really respect him a lot. But um, uh is my friend, so I text him and say, hey, bro, you know what? Don't even pay attention to what the world is saying out there, you know, if they don't believe in you, whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as you believe in yourself, anything's possible, and, and you got talent, you can make it happen, you know, I mean, there's no man, there's no God, you know, so everybody fall, so it's only takes for you to believe in yourself and go and, and get it done, I really believe it could, you know, especially in heavyweight, you know, one punch change everything, but he did very well, he hang, he hang very well there, you know. Yeah, he certainly did believe in himself. Like you say, a lot of people were saying a lot of silly things, really. I think those people are eating their words now, and uh, the way he performed was... Well, incredible. you know, well, it's a lot of ignorance, you know, in life, Definitely. in the world, you know, and people just talk. Unfortunately, people tend to be more negative than being positive, you know, and show support. People always try to break you, break you down, you know, instead of... Uh, Instead of push you, you know, to to do better in life, make you believe in yourself. People try to discourage you, no matter what, you know, for no reason. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We we don't like people like that on this show. Um, we don't like yeah. the bad energy. But Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Furman, Ray, is a fight I really like the sound of. Who wins that one for you? I'm guessing you're back in Manny. 
You know what? I think I really believe. I mean, Clay Thurman uh, uh, is a good fight, very strong fighter, but uh, it didn't it didn't look that well in the last fight. No, he didn't. No. I think I think many have the experience. You know, many still can fight, man. A lot of people talk about many don't have knuckles anymore, whatever. But what people don't understand, people is misinformed that many is a lightweight fighting welterweight. You know, I know that for the for a fact. I know him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does make him such a great fighter he is, you know. Take punches from welterweights, you know. It's hard to knock guys out, like, you know, and when you're that small, you know, the small guy. Naturally, he had to eat before he weighing to make weight, you know. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, he is—he's a living legend, right, isn't he? If we're being honest, <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> He's a you know, just a special guy. Absolutely. But no, it's, it's right. You know, I've been saying it to everybody. Keith Furman in his last fight didn't look too great, but Manny's been looking really good in his last few fights. So it, it is very interesting. And just before we let you go, Ray, have you got any closing words just to your to anyone that may be listening to this, but also your UK supporters? Have you got any closing message before we let you go? Well, you know what? I just want to thank, you know, to all my fans and all the people they stay you know uh staying uh paying attention to my career you know and i just want to thank for all the support you know i'm gonna do my best to put on a great show and make it make you proud of my my uh fans in the uk you know thank you so much i love them i love you you know uh for the uh unconditional support and god bless you all very well said ray listen it always is a pleasure speaking with you my friend thank you so much for your time and i wish you the absolute best of luck for june the 28th in california hopefully the next time we speak i'll be speaking to a two-time lightweight world champion thank you very much god bless you too and nice talking to you too okay now it's time for part two on this week's show this part of course the news part of the show i has what you got for us um, yes, uh, Shako Stevenson will face Hiron Sokaras in a featherweight clash on July the 13th at the Prudential Centre in Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, Newark, New Jersey. Um, Shakur Stevenson, 11-0, and takes on, like you say, Heron Sokaras, a guy with a record of 22-0 and with 14 of those wins by knockout, a Cuban based in Florida. Um, I mean, look, it's another step up for Shakur Stevenson. But like I say, we're talking about world titles. We're talking about, you know, the likes of Josh Warrington, the likes of Oscar Valdez, all those types of guys. And this is another opponent, you know, that's not really kind of getting him up there. It's like a step to the side rather than going straight up, if you know what I mean. So, you know, the guy's undefeated. He's got three draws, I should mention, but he's still undefeated. Um you know, it's it's going to be another easy win you'd expect for Shakur Stevenson. I'm not quite sure what it does for him. I suppose it keeps him active. He has been very active. Um, that will be his third fight so far in 2019. So that's good. Uh, also on that bill, by the way, friend of the show. They're both friends of the show, actually. Shakur and this guy, Joshua Greer Jr., 20-1 and one with one draw. He also takes on Nikolai Potapov on the bill, who's 20-1 and one with one draw. If anything, that's probably the better fight of the two. But yeah, it's good to see Joshua Greer and Shakur Stevenson both sharing a bill there in Newark, New Jersey. Murat Gassia will face Joey Dereka in his heavyweight debut on the undercard of Hooker versus Ramirez on July the 27th. Yeah, Hooker Ramirez, the undercard. Murat Gassiev against Joey Dereka. Obviously, Dereka, a guy that has been confirmed, was sparring Anthony Joshua in the build-up to Joshua Ruiz. So, uh, I remember seeing Dereka fight Jennings as well. Bryant Jennings, I think that was a brilliant fight. He's got pretty fast hands. I can really see the, the, you know, the science behind him being brought in as a sparring partner to prepare 
prepare for someone like Andy Ruiz, you know, like a kind of rounded guy. Um, and I don't mean that very complimentary, actually. I mean, he's he's pretty round around the waist, if you know what I mean, and he's got quick hands, so I can understand that. But, you know, it's nothing that Gassiev shouldn't be able to handle in his in his heavyweight debut. It's, it's probably, uh, you know... A decent opponent for him to look good against, and you know it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do at heavyweight. Um, Yafar would defend his WBA Super Flyweight title against Nobelta Jimenez. Yeah, that one's set to happen in Providence at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. <laughs> um, obviously, on the undercard of of uh, of, of uh, Demetrius Andrade. Sorry for that poor impression there of Andrade. I was better when I was a little bit more prepared the other day, but yeah. Um, you know, Cal Yafai, a lot of people are a, a bit annoyed with his world title defences. He is actually Britain's longest reigning world champion out of all the current champions. He's obviously had the belt since, I think it was 2016, I believe it was. He's had a few defences that have been a little bit, I don't know what to say. I mean, the Charlie Edwards fight was there for a long time. He seemed like he didn't really want that. He wanted other guys, you know, international guys and... It's been a little bit underwhelming. He is a friend of the show. We like him on this show. And he takes on, like you say, Norbelto Jimenez, a guy with a record of 29-8 and eight with four draws. You know, I've never heard of the guy. I'm being honest with you there. Um, when he turned pro in 2010, he actually lost seven of his first eight fights. I mean, that is incredible. Um, and then he went on to win his next one, then draw his next one, then lose his next one, then win his next one, then draw his next one. So he's had, uh, finally, a little bit of a run now. Um, he's coming off of about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins in a row. I don't think that's ever happened in his career. Um, he has got a split draw against Koei Kono. That was for the Super Flyweight World Title back in 2014. I mean, that's that's okay, but that's probably his claim to fame. Really, um, he's been knocking around the kind of Latino sort of ish um, scene. I mean, like you know, he's been the Dominican Republic champion. He's been the the Fede Centro WBA champion, the Feca Box, and stuff like that. So he's kind of been moving around that that regional scene which which isn't very uh exciting when you're fighting for a world title it's it's not anything inspiring there so i believe Cal Yafai wins that one with ease probably unless he takes his eye off the ball which he has done one or two times in these subpar defenses you'd say yep and that's it for the news Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Moving over to the preview part of the show, we're going to start here at the Seagulls Rugby League Club in New South Wales, Australia. Uh, The two Australian twins get out here. I believe they have been signed, I think it's by top rank, was it? I think we spoke about that um, a couple weeks back. But anyway, this one, I believe, is not a top rank show. Jason Maloney, 18-1. He's in a 10-rounder against Cesar Ramirez, 18-3. That's a 10-rounder there. Uh, Andrew Maloney, though, fights on the bill also. They always come together, the two twins. Andrew Maloney, 19-0. and 0. He takes on Ruben Montoya, who's 14-5 and 5 with one draw. That's for Maloney's WBA Oceana Super Flyweight title. Moving out now to Germany at the Sport and Congress Center. Um, one or two fights to mention. In fact, three fights to mention. Topping the bill for the EBU European Union Super Middleweight title. Tyrone Zoiger still only got that one loss to Rocky Fielding. 23-1 and 1 with one draw. He takes on 
Adan Silvera, who's 11 and 1. That's a 12 rounder. Uh, that's an easy touch, in my opinion. Also, Jack Kalkai, his 30th fight here, he's 25 and 4. He's in an eight rounder against Stefano Castellucci, who's who's 32 and 8. I believe an Italian opponent, probably with a with a padded record. We see that a lot in Italy. And also Jurgen Bremer in fight number 54. He's 50 and three. It's an eight rounder against Niels Schmidt, who's 17 and 0. Um, don't know anything about Schmidt, but that could be interesting if he's any good. I think Jurgen Bremer. It's Kind of goes without saying, he's certainly at the tail end of his career. Uh, moving out now to the Arena Riga in Latvia. Obviously, the World Boxing Super Series card. We, we, we're taking predictions here, Ayaz, so get ready for these. Uh, we're going to start with the undercard. Uniel Dortikos, 23-1, the KO Doctor, takes on the undefeated 17-0, Andrew Tabiti. Obviously, a Mayweather Promotions fighter. That's a 12-rounder there. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, Tabiti has impressed me with a few of his wins. Was he the guy that... Um, was he the guy that beat Steve Cunningham? I think he was. He's he's got a couple of decent wins to beat. He obviously Dortikos. I only kind of got to know him through the World Boxing Super Series tournament last time out, and I think he lost. Was it to Gassiev, I believe? But obviously a brilliant fighter. I remember when he completely um, iced the Russian hammer Kudryashov. That was a shootout there, but he was way too good for him. Um, so yeah, for me, I believe Dortikos probably wins that one by knockout. As I'm going to throw it over to you while I retrieve the listeners vote yep i agree with you i think daughter could win by knockout yeah a real devastating puncher um just quickly going to the predictions um oh where are we where are we yes so the listeners have gone with daughter cost by knockout so we can't be split there topping the bill maris bradis 25 and 1 for the vacant wbc world cruiserweight title the one that's been uh, recently vacated by alexander Usyk. And also for the WBO World Cruiserweight title, um, like I say, Maris Bredis, 25-1. and one. He takes on Christoph Glowacki, 31-1. and one. Both men have got one loss. Both men lost to the same guy, which was Usyk. And both men uh, actually went the distance with Usyk. So I see this as quite an evenly matched contest. I know a lot of people are very high on Bredis. Um, so am I. He probably gave the, uh, the toughest fight to Usyk thus far in his career. Um, but I just think, you know, Glowacki can't be overlooked. I remember when he lost that fight to Usyk. Usyk was just dancing around him, outboxing him. But by no means is is um, is Glowacki a bad fighter. So I do see this as as a very evenly matched kind of fight. Probably a sixty forty in favour of Bradis. Um, the listeners are going with Bradis points. I think I'm going to probably agree. I as what you what you what you see here, Bradis against Glowacki at Cruiser. Um, I'm going to go with a Bradis win on points as well. Okay, Bradis on points. So once again, we cannot be split here. The uh, the World Boxing Super Series card in Latvia, we all agree on the outcomes. Moving out now, though, to the first direct arena in Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. A couple of fights to mention on the undercard first. Mark Heffron, 22-1. and one. I think it's probably his first fight back off the loss to Liam Williams. He takes on Daniel Urbanski, who's 21 and 30 with three draws. That's a six-rounder there. Uh, Jack Bateson gets a chance to move to double-figure wins. 9-0. and It's an eight-rounder against Bayardo Ramos, who's 8-10 and with one draw. I'd like to see Bateson stepped up, really. Um, one fight to mention here, undefeated heavyweight, I believe, Alex Dickinson. 
10-0. He takes on Camille Sokolowski, the danger man, 6-15 and 15 with two draws. That's an eight-rounder there. Lyndon Arthur, the undefeated prospect, 14-0, takes on Andre Soldra, who's 15-6 uh, who, with one draw. That's an eight-rounder there. So it seems like quite a lot of the, the prospects there, the undefeated prospects, are kind of being pretty easily matched there I mean the opponents aren't too great but then it really does step up here uh, Zelfa Barrett 21-1 and one. he takes on Leon Woodstock 12-1 and one. that's for the vacant Commonwealth super featherweight title it's good to see a good belt on the line for a very good fight one that I feel has probably just flown under the radar a little bit because there's some great fights this weekend not just in Leeds and um yeah, I think that's a brilliant fight. Zelfa Barrett, I was ringside when he got when he got beat by Ronnie Clark, and when he got dropped, he got up and he really showed character. He went right after Ronnie Clark and he showed so much heart there and he was swinging for it. He was desperate to not lose, and that really answered a lot of questions. He passed the gut check test. And like I say, Leon Woodstock, he was down in the first round against Archie Sharp and he was swinging until the final bell, although he wasn't landing too much that night. No, not not discrediting him at all he's a tough guy and he had a fantastic fight with Craig Poxton in fact that is the best win if you look at both of these guys Zelfa Barrett and Leon Woodstock probably the best win out of the pair of them was Woodstock's win over Craig Poxton that was a brilliant fight like fight of the year contender-ish uh, also on the bill James Metcalf 19-0 he fights for the Commonwealth vacant belt against uh, against Jason Wellborn former British champion I think he's coming off that loss to Jarrett Hurd 24-7 interesting fight there obviously Wellborn has the wealth of experience not just domestically well certainly domestically but also that little world title fight he had which we just mentioned about five seconds ago he put up a brave effort but he was, of course, stopped by the better man. He was probably winning the fight, actually. So credit to Jason Wellborn. That's a good fight there. Um, we've gone to the predictions. I've just missed it. We've gone to the predictions on Zelfa Barrett against Leon Woodstock. How do you see that one? I'm going to go with Zelfa Barrett to win on points. Okay, Zelfa Barrett on points. The listeners are going with Zelfa Barrett by knockout. We had a hell of a lot of votes on that one. Uh, there's one or two comments I should read out as well, including this comment here that came in from... A uh, guy on Twitter called George Killeen, he says, Zelfa by knockout within six rounds. Just watch. I mean, that would be an incredible statement. I'm not quite sure I can see that one. I know that Archie Sharp isn't a massive banger. Um, he got him down in the first round with a jab, but he's not a massive banger. He didn't really have him in any kind of trouble to knock him out after that. And obviously, um, we mentioned you know, um, Zelfa Barrett, I don't think, is, is much of a banger either. So I, I can't see either man being stopped. Like I say, both men have been down. Both men got up and fought with courage. And I can't see either of them going to sleep or, or being stopped by the referee or anything like that. I think it definitely goes to the de- to the decision. Uh, the only thing is I think Zelfa might just be a little bit too fit. And um, I think he's got a little bit more to his game than Leon Woodstock. I'm not saying Leon is one-dimensional. I just think Zelfa has got a little something special about him. I'm not too high on him because people were running away with it. Before his fight against Ronnie Clark, people were saying he's a future world champion, stuff like that. Um, he'd got to 19-0, and I believe it was. We've only beaten two guys with winning records, so he was extremely padded. And then, of course, it all unraveled at the famous York Hall. So for me, I think he probably does grind out a points win, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I think that's going to potentially steal the show, actually. 
Um, top in the bill, we're going to talk about the predictions here, guys. I'm going to throw it over to you first. Josh Warrington, 28-0. He puts his IBF world title on the line at featherweight against Kid Galahad, 26-0. Kid Galahad has been asking for a big fight for a long, long time. It almost seems like it's been the better part of 10 years we've had to wait for a real massive step up. Maybe that's overstepping the mark, but obviously he had that little period where he, uh, where he was suspended from boxing, but... You know, he's managed to get himself back together, regroup, and he's looking really good at the minute, Kid Galahad. But, of course, it's by far the biggest fight of his career. Um, you know, like I say, we've been waiting a long time. Is he going to do it? Talk to me. Um, I think it's going to be a very tough fight, right, for Kid Galahad. But if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go um, with Josh Warren to win on points. So I think he's improved a lot. Okay, short and sweet there from Ayaz. Um, I will say that we're all agreeing with this. I'm going to go Warrington points, and so are the listeners. Um, I just think that Kid Galahad brings something that Carl Frampton and Lee Selby don't bring. I mean, Lee Selby's tall and rangy. He's got a good jab. He's good with his reflexes. I think Carl Frampton obviously was moving up in weight, just like, by the way, Kid Galahad has, has, has had to do. He was obviously at Super Bantam. Um, you know, he's he's a smaller guy like Frampton was. And I don't know, Frampton's a good boxer, but there's something about Kid Galahad. He, he's just got something. He's he's a little bit more kind of well-rounded than Selby and Frampton. I think that's fair to say. So he does bring something that those guys didn't. And I think he's probably the best counterpuncher out of a lot of them. He can fight on the inside. He can fight at distance. I can definitely, definitely see it going points. I don't think either guy can get the other one out of there. So I think it goes points. I just think... If you can't knock Josh Warrington out, his work rate is very hard to match, and that's his biggest strength, his biggest asset. He's got that fantastic engine, uh, Josh Warrington, probably the best engine in world boxing, actually. Um, I'd even go as far to say that. So I think he probably does win on points, but I'm hoping it's going to be a good fight. Um, It's good to see it's free to wear on BT, not like the fight that we're going to mention here um, over in the States. it's obviously on BT Boxing, or BT Sport Pay-Per-View, I should say. Topping the bill, Tyson Fury, 27-0 and with one draw. He takes on Germany's charge, Tom Schwartz, 24-0. and A guy that we don't know too much about, as We certainly didn't know too much about before the fight. I mean, I've kept my eye on him probably for about a year or about 18 months, something like that. But obviously, I was shocked when he signed to fight Tyson Fury. The fight is happening this weekend. Um, obviously, we're, we're surely backing Fury to win, but by which method? I'm gonna go with Fury to win on points. I think Fury just wins on points for me. I think just I think just gonna you just gonna I think just gonna be a points win for me. Okay, so you can just see him out hustling Tom Schwartz and not overcommitting, not trying to search for the knockout. I think obviously the the reach and and the just the general awkwardness of Fury will will cause Tom Schwartz problems. Um I think I saw an interview where Tom Schwartz said he's never been knocked down in sparring or anything like that, so he's probably got a good chin. Um, you know, Tyson Fury probably does go to points. I think we all agree on that one. Yes, we do. It's unanimous. Um, it'd be good to get him out of there. I think he needs to really make a statement because this isn't a fight that we've been clamoring up for. You know, Deontay Wilder versus Brazil. I feel like I've said this so many times. That was a fight where, um, you know, some people were a little bit excited. I was, I was one of those people. I thought it was going to be a decent fight and he made a statement. It wasn't a fantastic fight because we didn't get to see it see it go you know enough rounds it it was over before you knew it and it was a statement he knocked him out in the first round did something Joshua couldn't do then we looked to uh, Joshua Ruiz and obviously there was 
a fight that we wasn't looking forward to overly, but it ended up being so dramatic and it was just incredible and it ended up being a fantastic fight. So to kind of get on the same level as those two, you know, th- those two fights, Tyson Fury needs to make a statement and I'm hoping he can do it because, you know, it's, 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 it's a pay-per-view fight and the card isn't that great. Um, I will mention the undercard fights, by the way. Michaela Meyer, 10-0. She's in a 10-2-minute round contest against Lisbeth Crespo, who's 13-4. But a very good fight, Ayers, and I'm going to go to the predictions on this also. It's a 10-rounder. Sullivan Barrera, 22-2, takes on Jesse Hart, 25-2. Jesse Hart moving up in weight here to light heavy from super middle. Obviously, his two losses came... um, both of them to Gilberto Ramirez, who also, I believe, has moved up to light heavy. So he's followed him up, but he's gone and took on uh, uh, Sullivan Barrera, who's obviously a tough guy. Both guys here, friends of the show. May the best man win, but who do we believe it's going to be? For me, um, if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Sullivan Barrera to win on points. Sullivan Barrera points, okay. Um, Jesse Hart can punch, but he's moving up in weight, so... You know, that usually takes a little bit out of your shots. Unless you manage to carry it well, then it can even add some extra oomph on your shots. But Sullivan Barrera's been in there with the likes of Bivol. He's been in there with the likes of uh, of Andre Ward. Not a massive puncher, Andre Ward. But I don't think Jesse Hart punches like Bivol. And it took Bivol a long, long time. I think it was the final round when he got Barrera out of there. Barrera's been down a couple of times. I think he was down on the deck against Joe Smith Jr., but like I say, he's got up in, in all of these fights, and um, he's, he's, he may not have a fantastic chin, but he's, he's got good boxing IQ, and it takes you've kind of got to nail him down to the canvas to knock him out. So he's probably got enough to not get knocked out by a guy that's moving up in weight like Jesse Hart. And I think he's a well-rounded boxer, Sullivan Barrera, so I think he probably nicks it just on experience. You know, just on experience, I think he probably nicks it on points. I don't think... He'll be able to stop um, Jesse Hart. Jesse Hart, again, a guy that's been down a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, should be a great fight, though. I'm really looking forward to that one also. So you've gone Barrera points. So have I. And the listeners have gone with... Oh, they've actually gone with Hart by knockout. So that could be interesting there. Moving out now, though, to Russia at the KRK. Um... Two fights to mention over here. Firstly, on the undercard, Alexey Egorov, 8-0. He's in a 12-rounder against Mike Perez, 24-3 with one draw. The Cuban, the former heavyweight. That should be very interesting, by the way. That's over 12 rounds. I want to see more of Mike Perez. He hasn't been active enough. Um, He really hasn't. I think he's probably getting on in age as well. I haven't looked to see how old he is. But also, topping the bill for the vacant WBC Silver Cruiserweight title, Dmitry Kudryashov. We mentioned him earlier. He fought Dortikos 23-2. He got knocked out by Dortikos. The other loss, he got knocked out, but he came back and knocked the guy out and avenged it. So he can certainly bang the Russian hammer. But in the other corner, former Bellew opponent, Ilunga Makabu, 24-2. Remember, he had Bellew down in his fight. He can really bang as well, and there's no chance in the world that this one goes the distance. I think Makabu's probably the better boxer, but the raw power, I'd probably say, is with is 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 with Kudryashov. So that could be. I mean, that's going to just be brilliant, that fight. I'm going to try and find a stream for that one. And the final bill to mention, it happens at the Woodhouse Park Lifestyle Centre. 
in Withenshaw, Manchester. One fight to mention over here, friend of the show, former world title challenger on one or two occasions, Stephen Smith, 26-4, and four, no opponent just yet. Uh, not quite sure how many rounds it is. It's actually a Joe Gallagher promotions card, M22 promotions, which is Joe Gallagher. So interesting stuff there. All the best to Swifty Smith on his comeback trial. Uh, the final thing I will just mention, I forgot to mention it earlier, it was about the... Warrington Galahad card, friend of the show. Well, I say friend of the show, friend of ours, really. Nathan Muse, he gets on, he gets on to us on Twitter a few times. He listens to the show. He says about that fight, I've never took to Warrington and always back against him. Um, and it's cost me plenty of money previously, but Lee Selby and Carl Frampton are better than Galahad, so I'd have to go with Warrington on this one. I think a lot of people probably share that. Um, like I say, I think he brings something that those guys don't, but um, yeah, as a, as a complete fighter, he's probably not up to their level. I mean, those guys are former world champions. He hasn't yet reached that level, so it's a fair point. Interesting point, Nathan. Thank you for that. And like I say, just before we wrap up part two, the final thing to do is to welcome... Our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated heavyweight prospect, Mr. Hassim Rackman Jr. Hassim, welcome back on the show, my friend. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, Hassim. So we last spoke uh, almost two years ago. It was back in August of 2017. Uh, just tell us, what has been going on since then? Obviously, at the time, I believe you were only about 2-0. and well, man, I've been uh, doing my best to to be the best. Uh, trying to stay in the gym and uh, perfect my craft, and it's, uh, it's been taking a little bit longer than what I thought to get my record up. But the experience, I wouldn't trade for anything. I've I've gained a lot of experience over these uh, past couple of years, and uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So, um, just taking my time and uh, perfecting what I do in, in order to be the world champ. And Hassim, there's a story that I tell on this show. I've told it a few times. And basically, I saw a video of you in the ring. Uh, your opponent was in the other corner. Uh, you you know, you were getting ready to fight each other. Then all of a sudden, the guy climbs out the ring, and he doesn't come back. And I've told this story many times, like I say. And I've said that, you know, my mythical story is that the guy went to the dressing room, ran out the back door, and drove home with his boxing gloves still on. How close to reality is that? <laughs> I mean, I was in the ring, so I don't know if he still had his gloves on, but I know he definitely left the building. So up until that point, that's all I can tell you. Is he? Uh, we were in the ring. One second, they're announcing this. We about to take our uh, – uh, well, we had already took our robes off. I already took my robe off. They had already announced him. They were returning to announce me. And uh, in the middle of them announcing me, they kind of stopped him. He said he had to go rewrap his hand or something. Like, we're already in the ring. We're already about to fight. He's like, his, his hand went numb. So uh, they took him, took him, took us back to the locker room. We walked back out. Well, I walked back out uh, after the next fight had, had taken place. And then uh, when we just waited and waited. And after like 10 minutes of waiting for him to walk back out, they said nobody could find him. That is incredible. I know that there was a lot of coverage when Curtis Harper walked out the ring when the first bell went against Effia Jagba, but this one was like even worse, actually. I mean, he didn't even let the fight start. It didn't count on your record at all, did it? Yeah, no, it didn't. That's the thing. He didn't even wait till the bell rung. He, he <laughs> That's why it's not on my record. So, uh, this is, it, was, it was bizarre, and, you know, the people that were there, 
they witnessed what happened. And then the people that, you know, been following my career pretty closely, they, they remember what happened. So, you know, that same, that same energy I'm trying to keep bringing to the ring. No, that's it's just a funny situation. I've just got this this vision of him trying to change gears with these big bulky gloves on. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that you've been sparring some really really big names lately, Hassim. Tell us who you've been sparring. Uh, well, just recently I've been. Uh, I was in camp with uh, Carlos Taco. He was getting ready to fight Alexander Usyk. So uh, my myself and my uncle and uh, some other heavyweights, we're all we're all boxing with Takum to get him ready for that. Um, really, throughout the the past two years, man, I boxed a lot of big names, but uh, that's the most recent. And uh, it's, uh, there's another uh, heavyweight, uh, Italian heavyweight. He's uh, six foot six. His name is a his name is a little it's a little hard to pronounce. Let me let me. Yeah, I I think I know the guy. His name, his name, his name's uh, Guido Vianello. Yes, that's it. That's it. Guido Vianello. Yeah, that's it. He yeah, did. Um, no, no. Was, it, was he down at the? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he do some rounds with Tyson Fury up at Big Bear? I'm I'm not sure. He may have. I'm I'm not exactly sure. But um, I was working with him and Murat Gassiev up in Big Bear, and uh. It's uh, I've been boxing, man. A lot of guys, Michael Hunter. Um, I'm all we're, we're always boxing. That's that's the person I've gotten the most rounds with. More, I've got more boxing rounds with Michael Hunter than I do anybody else in boxing. Yeah, which um, which, which is fantastic work, obviously. Um, I saw you. Yeah. I saw you walk out with Michael uh, to his last fight against Fabio Maldonado. We all hoped for. You know, for a little period, that Michael would get the Anthony Joshua fight. Instead, Andy Ruiz managed to get the fight. He managed to not just get the fight, but pull off the upset as well. Did he shock you the same way he shocked most of us, Hasim? I don't, I don't believe so. Because if you listen to my interviews and you listen to uh, the things I've said in the past, you'll see that you know I've been saying that Anthony Joshua wasn't even a top three or top four. He may not even be in my top five heavyweight. I've said, I went on record and said that, and um, Andy Ruiz is is a, a fast, slick guy whose uh, appearance is so deceptive, it works to his advantage. His appearance is so de- deceptive as well as his demeanor. His demeanor when he's in the ring is is uh, he doesn't he he has the killer attitude when he's fighting when he's in the middle of throwing them punches he has the killer attitude. You ain't, you're not going to catch his heat outside of that. And that's a great thing to have as a champion. I want to ask you, now that you said that, um, you said he, he wasn't in the top three, not in the top four, perhaps not even the top five. Who are your top two or three or four or five heavyweights? If I had to pick <laughs> if I had to pick five heavyweights uh, right now, realistically, uh, let's see who you got. I, I would say, of course, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. They both they both go into that mix. Are they one and two? Uh, I mean, this is no this is no particular okay, order, okay, okay. but you know, you got the, you got the three champions. You got you got uh, Deontay Wilder, who's WBC. You got Andy Ruiz, who's got the all the belt, all the other belts, and then you got Tyson Fury, who's a lineal champion. So th- those are the top three guys. And then uh, outside of that, just easily, I would say you know I will put Michael Hunter in that mix with them. And I also will, uh, I will put uh, Luis Ortiz in that mix. 
that would, that would be my that would be my top five. My my best five guys are heavyweight. If if you ask my best five guys, that would be it. Okay, it's an interesting list there. Um, your next fight date is set for next weekend in Maryland. No opponent just yet, though, Hassim. Uh, we have an opponent, but it's I'm not sure how confirmed it is. I don't want to put his name out there, but okay. you know we have a, we have an opponent. He's he's they say he's gonna fight. He's gonna show up. So we'll see. Come come fight night. It's not the same guy that last that drove time I off, fought, right? The last time I fought. <laughs> I mean, not, not even that. It's the last time I fought, I was going to fight a completely different guy. And then at the weigh-in, they told me I was fighting somebody else. So it was, you never know. You never know. Wow. So I don't really want to put his name out there. Somebody might call him and say something, or he might, it, just his name being in the press might be enough to make him not take the fight. But, you know, hopefully... God willing, we are professionals, and everything goes according to plan. And uh, we go ahead and, and continue our streak on, on uh, June 22nd. Fingers crossed for you, my friend. I remember when we last spoke, you mentioned that you might be coming over to the UK to fight on a Frank Warren show. Obviously, it never happened. Um, is there is there anything else exciting that's that's in the pipeline? That's in the you know on the horizon that you can tell us at all? Well, I mean, it's all uh, I, I'm. I'm trying to take a fight anywhere, anytime, any place. You know, I, I, I have aspirations of becoming a world champion, so I have no problem traveling the world. I did not get to travel as an amateur and compete, so uh, traveling the world and going to a different country and uh, displaying my skills is is definitely a lifelong dream, and I've seen my father do it, so I, I would love to I would love to, to travel to another com- country and uh Gain the hearts of fans, you know, through boxing. That's what we do. We we, we put our lives on the line. And we, we go out there and we compete. And we gain the hearts of, of whoever's in the building or whoever's watching. And uh, Then you, you, you carry that on into into going to get a world title. So I would love to gain some fans across, around the world before I go uh, capture a world title or attempt to capture a world title. And Hassim, obviously you're... You're still early on in your pro career. Um, is it too early to kind of have a plan set out? Obviously, a win next weekend is primarily on your radar, but what comes after that? Is there a long-term plan right now, or is it a little bit too soon? You're just kind of taking each fight as it comes. Right now, I'm focused on June 22nd. It's not, it's, it's, I have trust and faith in my father and the rest of my team that they, are, uh, they will give me a world title shot. And uh, when that time comes, I'm going to be ready. And that's all I'm focused on. Just I'm not really focused on when it's going to come or who it's going to be against or any of that. All I'm worried about is bringing the best Hassan Rockman Jr. to the ring every time. Next Saturday is, 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 is definitely, definitely on top of the radar. And uh, just coming down to the last couple questions, Hasim. Obviously, y- your brother Sharif hasn't boxed for a little while. What is the latest with him? Is he doing okay? Yeah, he's doing fine. He's looking to get a fight this summer, so uh, stay tuned for him uh, to get a fight sometime this summer and uh, continue his streak as well. And finally, just before we let you go, Hasim, have you got any closing words? And also, don't forget to give out your social media for people to follow you if they aren't already following. Yeah, no problem. Um, everybody can follow me at uh, underscore JR on Instagram. Uh, that's my main social media. Go ahead, hit me with a follow. Uh, respond to stories. I'm I'm active with my followers, so 
uh, just support, support from the beginning because we're going to go get the top. And um, I also had a message. There's a there's a, a guy, uh, he's in the U.K. I don't know exactly who he is, but he interviewed me um, a long time ago. Uh, I think it was 2008 he interviewed me after a fight that I had. And uh, he took a bet with a bookie in the U.K., or I don't know, he took a bet with somebody. I don't want to say exactly what he did, but he took a bet with somebody. He worked for a company called IFL TV, I believe. And um, he made a bet that I wouldn't hold a world title during my professional boxing career. Now, this is long before I even turned pro. And um, any version of the heavyweight title was the bet, and he gave him 80 to 1 odds. So I, I would like to make sure that guy still got that other guy number because he need to go ahead and get ready to collect. That's faith right there, man. Man, I say that I wanted to get in touch with that guy because I'm I'm glad that he took that bet and that he believed in me even from way back then. Because there's no telling where I could have where I could have No, I'm sorry, it's not IFL TV. It's World Fight Products. I'm sorry about that. No, no problem. It's World Fight Products. His, his, he worked for World Fight Products. There's a, a YouTube channel and uh that that that's who he interviewed me for. And he the, the YouTube clip is still uh, I can find it and try to send it to you. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, that guy he he put he put eighty one odds that at some point in my career I will hold any version of the heavyweight title. And I know he's somewhere in overseas, some somewhere in the UK or in Europe, the the Europe area. So if he's listening, go ahead and tap in underscore jr on Instagram. Let me know. And anybody else willing to bet against me or bet with me. Y'all know what it is. I'm coming to shock the world. And it is possible. Anything's possible you put your mind to. Very good words, my friend. Hasim, it is always a pleasure catching up with you, brother. Best of luck for next Saturday, and we'll catch up sometime after, I'm sure. Thank you, Joey. Call me after the fight. Okay, and this wraps up episode 191 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former WBO lightweight world champion Raimundo Beltran and the undefeated heavyweight prospect Hasim Rackman Jr. There has been some news break whilst we've been recording the show. Derek Chisora will now be fighting on the White Rivas undercard on July 20th against friend of the show, Arta Spilka. Also, so Scott Fitzgerald has been ruled out of his fight against Brian Rose and in steps Anthony Fowler. Uh, that one is set to take place on July 6th in Manchester, but that's about everything, people. Uh, six points are up for grabs on the Prediction League this week, so best of luck with that one. There is so much good boxing on this week, so I'm really looking forward to that. Lots and lots of good fights. Thank you all for listening to the most international boxing podcast in the world, and we shall see you all again next week.